fade in. You're listening to Let's Bogart. Please welcome your host, Daniel Williston. It's me, it's just me. Welcome, buds. You're listening to Let's Bogart, the podcast where we rate hits by fading out before we fade in. So whether you're here for the plot or the pot, we'll roll camera and roll joints and curate a pairing experience both celluloid and cannabinoid in nature. Buds, I'm so excited. It's another episode and you're listening right now. You have to be. If you weren't listening, you wouldn't be hearing what I'm saying. Uh, And I'm really excited about today's episode because I got to talk about a movie that really meant a lot to me growing up uh, that I watched over and over again in the theater and really captured my imagination. Um, And that is uh, uh, The Matrix, which is an action sci-fi that was released March 31st, 1999. It's rated R in the U.S., 14A in Canada. It's two hours and 16 minutes long. It had a budget of $63 million and world wide gross was 466 million and change very successful movie we're going to be watching this this uh, uh dense of a sci-fi uh philosophical martial arts action gun extravaganza style uh uh whatever you gotta have a really good strain to go with it so we smoked the green organic dutchman's rotterdam which is an indica that gets yields between 17 and 22 percent thc uh it's very exciting i got to talk about both pairings with the person who came up with them my next guest which is on the podcast today. And I'm so excited for you to get to spend some time with her because she is very knowledgeable and a very cool person to both speak to and work with. Uh, So Daniel, tell us who we're speaking to today. All right, she is a pioneer in the world of cannabis, having worked as a team manager, running booths at markets, running education kiosks at industry expos, as well as handling product purchasing, website management, building client lists, graphic design, as well as business innovation implementation, focusing on efficiency. She graduated from the Trebus Institute of Sound Engineering and Music Production. She was a partner engineer and producer at Studio 88, working with some of Toronto's most promising artists. She was a coffee and cannabis specialist at Tokyo Smoke before taking on her role of key lead and bud tender at Superette. She's beginning work on her own brand of cannabis culture products that I'm very excited for her to reveal this year. I'm still prodding her to start her own podcast just because I want to listen to it and consume her vast knowledge of this glorious plant. But for now, you get to listen to her on mine. Please welcome Andrea Smith Meacham. Drea, welcome to the show. I wish you could see my face right now. That was the best <laughs> intro I think I've ever had for me. I forgot yeah. I did have that stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> always oh, nice to remember. So Look much. back on. Yeah, it's nice to have you on. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. This is fantastic. I am hyped and ramped and just like fresh off of a trans allegory. This is great. I'm I know. It's so exciting. <laughs> I'm very excited to talk all about it. But before we oh. get to that, Drea. Yes. I want to know, and and the people want to know, uh, uh, what was your first experience with cannabis like? Oh my goodness. So I tell the story a lot at now, I guess because 
I don't know, everyone asks these questions, but sure. it's very typical for me. Um, actually, I think I started smoking weed around the time The Matrix actually came out. So, oh. uh, yeah, so I was like 11, 12, sure, uh, sure. grade 7, 8-ish. Um, I think that's the right age correlation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, just out with a buddy. Um, we got a phone call because we we just gotten cell phones back then. Um, and he got a call that... <laughs> couple of friends with some of our like close friend groups were smoking weed in the bedroom of one of our friends. And so we just went there, got ourselves loaded up a Nestle water bottle full of cannabis and <laughs> just had the craziest weird bong rip and sat and listened to Pink Floyd and eating cookies. It was, oh uh, God, it was a great experience. Amazing. It's very typical of what you'd expect the first time to be. Oh, that's fantastic. What, what Pink Floyd yeah. did you listen to? Oh, the wall. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, you had to put it on the wall. But uh, that's the, yeah, the helicopter at the beginning. I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah, that's yeah. the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because my friend thought there was a helicopter outside when he first heard it because he was so stoned and he got so paranoid. <laughs> he was looking out of the blinds, just like, there's a helicopter. They're, they're here to get us. Have you, so. have you ever done the, um, um, what is it? Uh, Alice in Wonderland and. Is oh, it the Wizard wall? of Oz and Dark Side of the Moon. That's the one I know. So, yeah. That's the one that you know. There's there's another yeah. one. The one that I liked Ooh. better was was Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. and the Wall. It's so amazing, amazing how how they sync up and like they're talking okay. about going. We don't need no education. Comes when the school teacher is like like oh. uh, dancing around with them. It's really fun. That sounds amazing. I need to do this. That's yeah. so fantastic. Apparently, thank it's thank you on, for the I, recommendation. I think I watched it on YouTube too. I think someone synced it up and and put it up there. So. Of course they did. Everything's yeah, on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh so, so the, yeah so yeah you had that what was uh do you remember like uh you you've been using for a long time but do you remember yeah. a, an ideal high like was there a day that you're like oh that high if i could have that high every time that would be perfect yes um i got this stuff because i i was working for i wasn't working for anyone i was just in high school and i was um just like drawing tattoos for these like the you know the the badass kids in school i was not the badass kid but i did things for them and they always paid me in weed and there was one time i got this really good stuff that just made me giggle for so long and i i just i wish i had that back because i haven't had to giggle weed in a very long time <laughs> do you have uh, is, obviously is there anything, is there anything oh, on the market say, obvi- oh sorry go ahead oh no, no, it's okay. I was just going to say, obviously, like, we didn't know what strains were back then, so I'll sure. never be able to find that again. <laughs> uh, but on the market, nothing's really made me that. Maybe Orange Cookies got me kind of there before, sure. or, um, like, Pedro Sweet Sativa, those kind of uplifting ones. But yeah. I didn't really felt giggly in a long time. Fair enough. I will say the Rotterdam made me feel pretty good, but I think I was just very chilled and watching an old nostalgic movie and just yeah. got into the zone with it. Yeah, there's something about that having an indica strain for nostalgia that I am yes. really starting to get into because I'm usually me too. I go like, well, I want to stay up and I want to watch the thing and I want to engage with it, so I I want a sativa. But then sometimes if the sativa is strong enough, then I'm like bouncing in the couch and w- wanting to yeah. do something. My body wants to move, and so. <laughs> sitting down to watch a movie isn't my isn't the best experience with it no because your brain just starts wandering during the movie so you're just like oh i should be i'm gonna think of my own movie while i'm watching this movie but (laughs) something about like an indica chilling you down like kind of like knocking your brain out and just putting you straight where you need to to be is fantastic yeah absolutely 
Well, it, since we brought it up, uh, we, yeah. we uh, the strain that uh, uh, was chosen for this episode uh, was yes. the Green Organic Dutchman's Rotterdam. Yes. Oh, such a good, good strain. Very old school. It's uh, yeah. like a OG blend, uh, which I find really nice just because it, it is. It's OG. It's it's very much mm-hmm. reminiscent of the first weed that we were smoking, all that we had access to back in the day. And they really delivered that nostalgia, but with an organic twist, which I really liked, which made it a little bit cleaner high, a little bit cleaner smoke and a little bit just more enjoyable overall. So listen, I I should know this be working at Superette with you, but I I don't <laughs> actually know what what makes the uh, the weed organic. Like, because there's people who come in specifically saying, "What do you have that's organic?" Right? Yeah. So a lot of it comes down to it's the same way with um with with like produce and vegetables or produce and fruits and stuff like that sure um so it's essentially comes down to the oil or the soil they use Mm -hmm. uh the what's put into the soil obviously um pesticides so they will go more for either no pesticides with they'll use like bugs to kill aphids and stuff like that like praying mantis are best friends for a lot of farms um yeah there's a there's a whole fleet of uh, insects you can employ essentially on your farm to eat all the bugs that will eat your crops. That's uh, so awesome. things like that, and then using more natural pesticides. Um, we know that uh, limonene, the terpene, is used in a lot of natural pesticides as well, too. So right. utilizing those sorts of uh, tactics, but also it comes down to just how they, uh, how the soil works, how the nutrients are, and how they um, cultivate it as well, too. So sure. to get your certificate of like or like being organic you essentially pay but you do have to meet a lot of specific standards that's pretty to get that so yeah it just means there's no like the nutrients in the soil a little more pure and they're a little bit more put into and the soil is usually living soil so it's you got a lot more sun nutrients and soil nutrients and in the end just makes a nice clearer um smoke in the long run and you can feel better about what you're putting into your body like when you're having organic produce and stuff uh in your groceries you can feel like exactly uh, i'm really yeah i'm I'm giving myself a little treat earth treat yes yeah something that wasn't you know like pounded with uh artificial ingredients and wasn't genetically modified and um yeah, it just in the end, I mean, they don't last as long, obviously, because there's no preservatives right. or anything like that into them. But for that short little time you get it, you get a really nice treat. Yeah. And it, yeah. it probably means that you're you're going to get something that's a little that's been packaged a little bit later, too. Right. Yes. Because it's yes. organic. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, because uh, the, the shelf life isn't the same. Right? right. So they they usually do smaller batches. Sure. Uh, so you get like fewer lot more lots with less product in them so they do ship out a lot of it, a little bit quicker yeah so you're more likely to get uh, a, a more recently packaged date that way well, that's fantastic yeah um do, do you, what do you know about uh the green organic dutchman uh uh, uh before before getting into rotterdam uh, the lp itself well, I know they're big on the medical market. I know uh-huh. they're huge suppliers of the medical market. Um, I have friends that use their Unite Organic um, mm-hmm. and a lot of other strains for pain management and just things like that, keeping down inflammation. Uh, so I did know them from that regard. Mm-hmm. And I know that they have glass jars, which I love. Uh, I know they're nice. um, a Mississauga-based company, if I'm not mistaken. So cool. that's my hometown. So I'm really proud of that as well. Uh, um, represent. 
Yes. And then um, other than that, I just knew they had that one really good strain because they've only recently seemed to have pushed out more of like the Rockstar Tuna and the Skunkaze and the GG4. Right. So it seems like they were kind of uh, to me anyways, maybe their stuff was available in other provinces or other networks. But it seemed to me that they're really focusing on the medical side. And now that they've kind of conquered that, they want to kind of bring that stuff over to the recreational side and let us benefit from it as well, too. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So I it's love a, them. I, yeah, they, yeah, they're fantastic. And Rotterdam, mm-hmm. I, I, I'd never gotten to try before. Had you tried it before uh, uh, smoking it for the movie? Uh, yeah, I mean, I bought this uh, probably a week or two ago, oh, okay. but I was kind of saving it for the movie. Hey. But also, I needed a taste, so I, <laughs> I wanted to test it out before, obviously. Because I didn't want something that, if I smoked it, it was going to put me out. And then yeah. I was, like, asleep halfway through Neo's Awakening. So <laughs> I, uh, I had to test it out one night, and I realized how clear and how sweet it was. And yeah. it just felt great. And I didn't, I wasn't, like, overtly tired, but I wasn't, like, anxious. It was, it was so nice. So I'm like, this is going to be great for a revolutionary movie. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, yeah, I didn't find the come down from it. I, uh, I tend to, with, with Indica's, I have a really great time for a couple of hours or three hours or so, mm-hmm. and then the come down from it is really strong. I did not feel that this time with Rotterdam. It's the same for me. I mean, I smoked probably at 9 a.m., so sure. it's 1 o'clock now. I don't really feel, like, overtly tired i just like the high is just wearing off i'm like i could smoke again but at the same time i feel like i didn't even get high so it's it's nice (laughs) it's like a nice come down so yeah what what can you tell me about the uh uh, the terpene profile on this on this uh uh, strain i think it's it's a little tougher because it is a blend um i believe i mean i personally tasted a lot of caryophylline Uh Uh, i got a lot of pining obviously being an og strain it's gonna be very heavy pine um, I did get some awesome, I mean, like a little bit of that sweetness. I don't know if it was maybe a floral note, but I did get a little sweet, not minty, but refreshing kind of mm-hmm. a feel. So I feel like that's awesome, but I could be obviously pinpointing that wrong. I, um, I think I read then, that there was awesome in it, and that was okay. a terpene that I haven't seen oh, uh, uh, listed for a lot so of strains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's great, it's, right? Very commonly found in mint. So, I mean, not a sure. lot of strains give that minty look um, or that minty taste. I find that it's very much the sweet um, strains that do it. It's most often I find it in Indicas. Um, but again, caryophylline is such a powerful terpene that you rarely get that sweet undertone that you're supposed to get. Right. Because you just get peppery, woodsy muskiness over top. But I really liked that it cut through on the Rotterdam because if it wasn't there, it would have been a very harsh smoke. Sure. Yeah, sure. the sweetness really, really uh, helped because <sighs> there's there's earthiness in there too. But the the sweetness really kind of makes it all pleasant and yeah, it makes it worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, do you like this strain? Is this a strain that you would you would purchase again for yourself? I think for my Indicas, I'm usually sativa person, so I do find myself trying more sativas, but I keep a repertoire of strains that on the Indica side are some of my absolute go to's. And this is definitely being added to that list because it's not like the not the body buzz, like floaty kind of like numbing feeling, but it is super chill. And I appreciate that. (laughs) I think about there's there's strains that uh, did you ever see the movie Enter the Void? 
Uh, I know, but I've heard of it. Yeah, it's it's like a it's first. It's crazy. It's like um, out of body experience. So the camera is like comes out of the 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 character, and then you're in first person view, but you're just sort of floating around. uh, uh, Oh, that's cool. Different characters. That it kind of feels like what a a really heavy sedative indica can feel like. You you feel like you're outside. That's like Collabs California. Yeah, Yeah. Collabs California did that to me, and Lemon Garlic OG did that to me as well too. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. All right. Well, we're coming up to the end of our first segment, Drea, and that means it's time for our first game. Ooh, a game. I didn't know. I wasn't expecting a game. I love this. Let's do it. Yeah, it's it's a game called In It to Minute. In It to Minute. In It to Minute. That's the game where you, our guest, have to summarize the events Mm -hmm. of the Matrix, and you only have 60 seconds to do it. So what we're looking for is a beginning, a middle, and an end. But... Everyone, the problem that everyone runs into is that they spend so long talking about the beginning and then they only have 20 seconds yeah. left to get through the rest of it. So just, Fair enough. just okay. warning you ahead of time, but uh, are yeah. you, we're going to do it. It's going to be so fun. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready for this. All right. 60 seconds on the clock and go. Okay. So the Matrix is about a stoner hacker dude who's hit a wall with his life. He's constantly uh, breaking the law, but also finding a lack of conformity in his life. Band of crazy futuristic pirate bandits uh, come and save him. They bring him out. They show him the lights. And they show him all that he is has possible for himself. Then he finds true revelation within himself and saves the day. I think I did that in under a second. <laughs> yeah, you seconds. absolutely did. You got uh, 20 seconds to go. Anything else you want to say? 20 about the seconds movie? Yeah. Uh, essentially becomes a reborn Jesus for the new <laughs> world. Uh, and then essentially goes on to be the most powerful being in existence. Yeah, that's I about believe. the Matrix. That's great. Yeah, that sounds like the Matrix, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's 60 seconds. You did it. Yeah, yeah. Yay. <laughs> All right, don't He's go definitely- anywhere. Yeah, he's go- definitely a stoner, though. Let's let's be real. Yeah, because the, they his his buddies there. I mean, maybe they're not his friends, but they offer him drugs yeah. at that when they're like, "Come on!" You oh yeah, they're this. like mescaline. That's the yeah, way. Mescaline. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, awesome. All right. Don't go anywhere. We're on Let's Bogart right now with Drea Meacham Smith. When we come back, we're going to. Oh no, it's Smith Meacham, isn't it? Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's okay. I'm Don't worry. So sorry. <laughs> We're going to be right back and we're going to find out what she thinks about the Matrix. Don't go anywhere. Hey, buds. Thanks for tuning into the program. We're just going to take a quick second away from the uh, conversation that we're having right now to talk about uh, an organization that we here at Let's Bogard think is worth paying attention to. And that is translifeline.org. Translifeline.org is run by and for trans people. It was begun in 2014, shortly after Trans Day of Remembrance. And it's a grassroots hotline and micro-grants nonprofit organization offering direct emotional and financial support to trans people in crisis for the trans community by the trans community. Uh, Their mission reads as Trans Lifeline connects trans people to the community support and resources they need to survive and thrive. Their vision is they envision a world where trans people have the connection, economic security, and care everyone needs and deserves free of prisons and police. 
uh, talking about their impact. They uh, have had 106,579 calls answered, $738,399 in funds dispersed to those who need it, and over 600 operators trained. So they're really doing the work in trying to address uh, 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 concern that is in the community right now that uh, uh, the pandemic is affecting everybody, right? And the, there's some people who are, are suffering more than other, others or need specific help with uh, uh, their specific lives that they're going through. So they also help to be able to hope to be able to offer text and chat support in the community in the coming years. So uh, they're working very hard for the community. Let's help them out. Go to translifeline.org. You can donate. You can volunteer. They have a, a, a portal where you can apply to work for them. Uh, you follow them on, on Instagram at, at translifeline um, and get involved. Tell somebody you know about them. Uh, maybe make a donation, maybe uh, help out in whatever way you can, even if it's just giving them a, a quick follow. Uh, getting the word out there and bringing awareness is what we're trying to do here, so let's all do that together, and we'll have a bigger impact than any one of us could have alone. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, uh, now back to the conversation. All right, we're back! <laughs> I love this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Drea, we watched The Matrix... Yes. And you picked this did. movie. I did pick this movie. I uh, I picked it because I only recently, well, I mean, I've always kind of known, but it was just recently um, confirmed that it is a trans allegory. And if people right. don't know me, they will know that I am a transgender woman. So right. this movie not only played a big influence in my life growing up, it had, gave me feelings that I didn't realize were what I was feeling at the same time, like we didn't have a vernacular for trans. Right. So this movie kind of opened your eyes, but didn't really give it to you all. But it kind of left you with some lingering feeling of wanting more and wanting to um, change your life in some way or another. So, yeah, it kind of resonated with me and having knowing that the directors did come out as trans a couple of years later and mm -hmm. even alluded to the allegories within the story. Uh, I thought it was it was pretty, um, pretty appropriate for this the podcast yeah i i would say so i i i didn't uh I, I didn't make any of those connections before uh i can't remember who made the video if it was lana or lily wachowski but uh, mm -hmm. uh, whichever one of them made the video saying like yeah absolutely this is uh, yes. a, a trans yeah. allegory and started i i watching it again a movie that i'd seen so many times and going oh that's mm -hmm. obviously that's that's it like opening yeah. your eyes knowing that there's uh there's something missing that you're that yeah. it's not quite right and, and uh trying to find it and yes. um somebody knowing and 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 teaching you like like uh, uh yeah. showing you the world as it can be yeah telling you that you can't sh like they can't sh put you down that path you have to go down that path yeah. yourself yeah and that yeah. the expectations of everyone around you from the the agents to your bosses to every like mm -hmm. the, the the authority figures who want to yeah. keep you in the box yes yes like, oh, oh my goodness yeah yeah it was it was really cool to watch it with that new um that new knowledge yes the perspective changes everything and just yeah. like so many little things to the pills, like the two different pills. You can either yeah. accept the life that you're living and go on living it, or you can take the other pill, the red pill, and 
you know, essentially live the way you're supposed to live, the way you were meant to live. Sure. Which is so beautiful. And so ridiculous that that the the is it red pillars or whatever that the uh, yeah. Ugh, Jesus yeah. Christ. How how yeah. do you watch that movie and get the message of it so wrong that I that then becomes it's, a uh, thing? It's definitely like um it's a type of just like I don't know. They're just pulling a small thing to make it large. That's all it was. Sure. It wasn't like they watched the whole movie and like this is about tr- this is about men's rights. Like they they were just like <laughs> this one small little pill allegory yeah. has created a phenomenon in itself. And I remember when they did confirm uh, when the Wachowski sisters confirmed. I think Reddit exploded that day. Like it yeah. was insane. So and then my fiance told me that they some of the subreddits were like unruly so um it definitely resonated with some people and obviously caused discord with others but Uh, i think yeah i mean that's good i mean that's the thing you you took something that wasn't for you and made it for about yourself and it's time for us to reclaim it so we are yeah fantastic what i Mm. i loved about re-watching this movie because i i I saw it in the theater and I had no idea what I was getting in for, but I guess mm-hmm. that's the, that's the best way to see the movie. Like yes. even the, the marketing of the film and stuff like what is the matrix.com uh, not mm-hmm. telling anyone what the, cause <sighs> you're not going to be able to explain to them what the hell's going to happen in this movie. You just need to come no. in and see it because telling them what the matrix is, is essentially spoiling the movie. Sure. So Yeah. Oh, it was such, I just remember the opening with the green coating going down oh, and yeah. it just, you know, it's definitely like reminiscent of 1999 camp, but at the yeah. same time, what it tries to show off comes off as cra- uh, campy, but the rest of it is is cinematic gold. Like there's some oh, shots yeah. in there that are just incredible. Some are forced. Obviously, they seem like studio choices, but some are just <laughs> subtly just so amazing. And I, I'm, I'm really in love with it. What I loved visually about this movie, I, I was reading about what um what what went into the getting the movie made and Mm -hmm. apparently so they hadn't made a movie uh yet before they wrote the script to this film this was the film that they wanted to to do uh but then they said we want to direct it and the studios were like well we don't get this movie We, we you're unproven directors so that's why they went and made bound so that they oh yes 1996 that's right so they make yeah, that, that movie was, uh, so that they could show that we can direct a film. It'll be great. Just give us the the money to be able to do this other thing. Yes. Uh, that's just like, honestly, that's classic. Like, you got to prove yourself. You prove your worth. But Absolutely. at the same time, they they had done a lot of writing gigs before and they were burned mm-hmm. so many times that they realized that they're like, we have to direct if we want to make it as writers. That's literally that's right. The mindset of Hollywood is like, if you want to write, then you might as well just direct your own stuff because no one else is going to pick it up for you if they don't understand it. And it's it, the only way that it. if you just stay as writer, there's so many directors who are putting their stamp and their uh, uh, lens yeah. on your work that you're, you have to compromise so much. You never will know was the movie that was in my head or in my original script. Could that have worked? We'll never right? know. It's like, yeah, would it have, did it go the way I planned it to? And yeah. would it have been better if someone else had touched it? That's the thing. It's, you're getting uh, someone else to essentially put, bring your idea to life. And that's a big, a lot of trust you need. Yeah. So uh, yeah. apparently what they did was they storyboarded the entire movie. 
so they had this script that right. they knew it was dense philosophically and maybe hard mm-hmm. to lift off the page. And so much of the language of this film is in the visuals. Yes. Like so much of what you can do in the Matrix, what makes the Matrix special uh, that's different mm-hmm. than any other movie? What are people going to be able to do? And so they yeah. had like that that scorpion kick sequence in the beginning, like they had that mm-hmm. storyboarded. And when they were meeting with actors, instead of letting the actors read the script or talk mm-hmm. about like what happens in the movie, they would use the entire meeting to just go over the storyboards of that initial <laughs> opening. So that this is what you're going to look like. Minutes. You better feel comfortable looking like this. <laughs> yeah. And also ask it the economy of storytelling, too. In that first yes. sequence, you find out what an agent is. You find out why, like, that Trinity can do all of these incredible things. And who is she? And she's talking with this person who is talking about the one and... Uh, yeah. uh, Morpheus and like you, the, all of the questions that need to be answered for the first mm-hmm. act of the movie are all set up in that one 10 minute sequence that has the, the, also this amazing chase sequence and fight sequence oh, in the middle so of it. So good. And I get that. Like you have to give your, your potential actors context because you've created this essentially new world that no one has ever seen before. So how do they know how to act in that world? That's right. So giving them that storyboard is giving them a visualization of where they need to place themselves. And I think that's why everyone nailed it in this movie. Absolutely. Like they, yeah, they absolutely did it. And even Keanu Reeves being, you know, Keanu Reeves, like, I love Keanu Reeves. Trust me. This is like the inception of like John Wick for me. Um, <laughs> Just some of his lines are very surfer, like spaced out, like he's coming out of that, that, that spaced out, like that he's like locked in and he's been in zombie mode for his whole life. And he's just finally snapping out of it. And that transition from that, that surfer bro to like this confident, like badass is it's there. And I really love how easily it kind of happens. It just kind of like sails in and suddenly he's like, Oh yeah, no, I'm the best person in the world. And I'm going to kick everyone's ass. And it really like it, there was before Keanu Reeves signed on, there was like, they approached Will Smith to be Neo. They had, they were yeah. sort of going down uh, a bunch of different Hollywood names. And I think that all of them like Will Smith, like had a huge personality that would Too have much personality. Yeah. There's something about mm-hmm. Kiana being this, uh, not to insult him as an actor, but it's sort of an empty vessel. No. Like he's not doing too much. And oh, we needed that. Yeah. We needed that. Cause he is like, he's, um, he's a zombie like hacker who's like hit a wall in his life. So he needs to be like, if it was like, you know, smack talking Will Smith, like hacking on computers, I'd be like, well, this guy's got stuff. it made. Yeah. He would ne- this guy would never take the red pill because That's right. He's fine and he's great and he's got this great sense of humor and personality sure. like he's great where he is. He can live with the rest of that for the rest of his life. But you need a guy that's absolutely hit rock bottom, like falling asleep <laughs> while things are happening on his computer, listening to loud music like we've all been to that spot in our life. Right. So <laughs> yeah, I think just ha- having him play that character devoid of all personality was kind of necessary i think yeah absolutely i yeah. uh i was working in um uh winnipeg on a uh, a show at uh, mtc where Ooh. which is the theater that uh keanu came to do hamlet at 
Oh yes, he had done. He had worked uh, with uh, Kenneth Branagh on Much Ado About Nothing. He played Don John in that. And trust me, I know that movie. <laughs> it's him not with a great Denzel Washington as his, but him Denzel Washington as his brother. I love I that. That's love one of my favorite Shakespeare to film. Like that's it's gonna be one of my favorite Shakespeare to films. I think Kenneth Branagh is great. I I, I really yeah. love hit the love that he has for Shakespeare is very obvious. Yeah. So yeah. apparently Keanu Reeves goes to him and is like, hey, I, I'm so sorry for being in your film. And, <laughs> and, and <laughs> Kenneth Branagh is like, uh, like, it, it's fine, man. It's just you're you've got you've got a, a face for for something. And mm-hmm. he's like, you should train. You should you should absolutely like explore Shakespeare. Like just it, mm-hmm. it'll help you with everything else in your life. So Keanu finds a coach like a Shakespearean coach and studies oh. Hamlet for like two years. Mm-hmm. Off and on from his uh, his movie projects and whatever, but he learns the entire role. And then someone he he's in contact. He's a Canadian, so he's in contact yeah. with the artistic director of MTC at the time, who says you've studied this whole thing. You should come and do it somewhere. Like you should actually play it. So he comes to MTC. He plays it. it it's a huge success in the Canadian theater. Oh. Like everyone come wants to come and see this movie star do Hamlet in Winnipeg. I- Yes. And uh, I'm working there and I hear a story about the opening night. Everyone sort of gathers outside Keanu's dressing room and Mm -hmm. he comes out and realizes they're all kind of like looking to him to make some sort of a speech or something. (laughs) And he he sort of looks at the floor and he thinks and nods to himself silently for a second and then looks around at everyone. He's like, I'm about to go out and play the biggest role in Shakespeare's canon in a theater where any one of you could play it better than me. Oh my God. All um, right, let's do it. The most, <laughs> and, the most humble person ever too. like, I think that's lovely. And I think, uh, yeah. I think that that would uh, only help your performance. If you were going out there as a movie star to play Hamlet, right? Think, oh my uh, goodness. Having that humility would, would really help. I, I, I he just definitely like, definitely is. He's a good guy. I, I like hearing he stories about him. Because they're Cause always so humble and so like yeah. it's so earnest. And I, I, I love hearing stories about him too. And then oh, I love now that he's this badass like action star kicking oh, people's man. asses all the Just time. Awesome. Oh, new yes. apparently new John Wick and Matrix are two different studios and are gonna be mm-hmm. released within uh, uh one weekend of each other if they're still. Yeah, he's on been schedule. hard at work. He's been Holy out in shit. Europe just like filming 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 and i'm really excited like i really hope that the new matrix has less of the studio's grip on it because yeah. I, think, I think the wachowskis have done enough i mean they had a few flops i mean jupiter rising or jupiter uh, ascending yeah. <laughs> but um i think at Did the same like time like, uh, eh, those two are like the generation of wachowskis that i don't really yeah. i kind of like forget that happened um yeah, but i mean we all love V for Vendetta, so let's not oh, forget yeah. that beauty. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, they've done a lot. Uh, they've even worked on shows and comic books, and they've written yeah. a lot. So I have to give them that. And I think that if now that they've gained all this success, I hope that they have a little bit more control over what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Because they really did push the religious aspects a little too hard for the last couple of movies. And yeah. I feel like that wasn't the direction they actually wanted to go, but it's what the studio told them people would understand. And I don't. Well, 
<sighs> and it it kind of comes back to like a storytelling, like the kinds of blockbuster movies that they do. It's the hero's journey over and over. And yes, over again. the greatest story ever told. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so because of that, you you have that. I. I, I always knew that like the Christ imagery becomes really heavy handed Ugh. in the sequels, but I yes. didn't realize how prevalent it was in language until this recent oh, yes. rewatch that I did. Like he yeah. right away, he opens the door to the guy and he's like, Oh, you're my savior, my own personal Jesus Christ. I'm like, that's <laughs> right? really heavy handed. If you're just doing yeah. like a, <laughs> Oh, we name everything about our ruined city, like Zion, and we have the Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And Trinity, like, Trinity, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, Trinity alone is uh, pretty insane, so. <laughs> there was but, some yeah. really, really, oh, sorry, go, you go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was just saying, but yeah, the segue. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> so there was, a, there was a couple of really cool, uh, one thing I really admire, obviously, about this movie is the technical aspects of it. The, uh, uh, the way that they were able to change the way you can make films is really incredible. Yes. Setting up those cameras to be able to do the, the slow motion, the bullet time, and the, uh, that's swooping around Trinity while she's in the, in the midair. Yeah. and the kick and all of that stuff like everyone imitated that for years after it oh my and god didn't everyone, do it and good. everyone tried to imitate like i even as yeah. a kid in high school tried to make that happen like that was <laughs> i remember trying to make my own matrix movies and stealing every song from the soundtrack because it was just so <laughs> perfect for what it was um and yeah i mean they gave that that camera trick away in the first what like two minutes of the movie they yeah. have her do that and i'm like well what are they gonna give us now because they, that was their big gimmick and then they just still didn't fail to disappoint no they so, keep giving to, you uh, to approve yeah the um I, I one of the things i loved about the look of it they they chose to they they have none of the color blue while you're mm -hmm. in the matrix and then when you're outside of it you don't have the color green Yes. So it's like it gives that that blue tint and that green tint even in people's skin. Like it just feels like the world has changed by the time yeah. you're you're so used to that kind of glassy, uh, uh, um, saturated look. And then when he comes out into the real world, then you just see all of these cool blue colors. It was just and like vibrant. Like contrast and every, nothing's yeah. washed out. Everything's really dark and deep. And I really love yeah. that. Yeah, it. it was re it makes really the, smart. It makes the other world feel very computerized and very That's like right. fake and changed. Like it's I love that. Like and it also helps you kind of dictate where the story. I mean, like kind of see where the story is and like, you know, exactly where they are as soon as they cut away to another scene, yeah. which is great. Yeah, I loved uh, the uh, uh, the the guy who did all of the. Um, martial arts and uh, wire stuff. Wu Ping yes. Yun, uh, yes. the stunt coordinator. Uh, he, when he was approached, he did not want to take the gig. He had, uh, uh, he was uninterested. He had done all these other movies and was was much more comfortable outside of the Hollywood system. So what mm. he did was just gave them an exorbitant number. It was like, there's no way you will ever pay this. So sure, I'll do it if you pay me this much. And yeah. the Wachowskis went and just got him the money. So then he <laughs> had to do it. I love that. They're like, no, you are the person you have to. And it, that it stands true because the the choreography oh. and the stunt like work in that is so incredible so like, beautiful just, 
the fight scene in the dojo is just like so oh, well done. Man. That so shot perfect. above when they're uh, like eagle eye view and the, the yeah. one is wearing the black key and one is wearing the white key. So when they're kicking each other and blocking yeah. it, they look like the yin yang. Like, yeah, yeah. Ah, that's just that's it's, just brilliant. Yeah, the symmetry is beautiful. I, I'm absolutely in love with it. <laughs> Yeah, and the the apparently uh both Keanu and Hugo Weaving um injured themselves during the, some of the fight training cuz they had to I learn to fight for that. like months before. It yeah. normally it would only be like a couple of weeks of rehearsal and then you kind of get into it and they're like, "No, mm-hmm. for this stuff you're going to have to come and learn a whole new skill set." Yeah. Well, I know after that like I know Keanu Reeves personally went on to continue doing martial arts and stuff because mm-hmm. he realized how great it was going to be for his career after that. So, um, yeah, no, that's, that's incredible. And like Hugo weaving another fantastic actor. Oh my God. Ugh. He's so incredible. Isn't he? It I just... don't think we, no one talks enough about him because his performance in that movie is utterly like perfect. Like just the way he, he breaks when he's talking to Morpheus and talking about the stink. Yeah. And he plays a perfect sentient robot that's gone a little bit too far over the edge that just needs to get out. Like he's at that level of humanity where he's just like, I feel the const- the constricts of like what I'm in this yeah. prison. Like just like you are all trying to escape. I'm also trying I to am escape. Also, yeah. The, the, the opposite, the polar opposite yeah. of what he is. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, he, beautiful for the speech pattern that he uses. Apparently he studied because I'd always gone like it's so distinctive. What is he doing? Mm-hmm. I looked it up and he was studying 1950s news anchors. Oh, so that's why it sort of sounds out of place and out of time. Like he's mm-hmm. uh, he's hitting these like Mr. Anderson. Like there's like yeah. a, a rhythm to it that is jarring and not quite His- human. Yeah, the cadence is very off. Yeah, but it, I just I love it so much. It's so just absolutely. At first, you're like, okay, what is this? What is he doing? And then you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. this actually is this is actually really good acting. <laughs> That's what he's doing. <laughs> he's acting fantastically, yeah, and he's absolutely. got that like emotionless, just like no no expression. He's just putting out information, and I love it. Yeah. But then he slowly gets that humanity kind of. You can tell he's trying to hide it, and then he just kind of, it kind of slips out every once in a while, and I absolutely am in love with that. Yeah, what, the, where, they, where they choose to, he's the only agent who takes off his glasses, so he's mm-hmm. the only one whose eyes you can or see. Or unplugs from the system, too. Yeah, yeah, takes the earpiece yeah. out. Yeah. I love that physically, like, sh- uh, trying to show something emotional about a character, but doing it in a physical way that you can do it with costume or you can do it with a prop yeah. or how the person's behaving. Like, uh, watching uh, the interrogation scene between oh. him and uh, Keanu again and <sighs> noticing the point at which he decides to take off the glasses. Like, he comes mm-hmm. in and he lays out the case that they have against him with the glasses on. And then as soon as he gets to where, he needs to do the ask of we need you to help us get to Morpheus mm-hmm. or whatever. That's when the glasses come off. I'm like, he understands like smart humans and what, how much eye contact actually means to them. Yeah. Like it's, it's his breakaway from the hive mind because clearly they try to create these, like these agents as like a hive sentinel group that operate together. And you can see mm-hmm. his slow descendant for us, this, like, descendants from that hive mind and it's so great that the other two are constantly looking at each other being like what's like what's happening (laughs) and then he's just like i am 
on my own. I'm my own person now. And it's it's just so great to see it. And then he starts trying to compromise and he's making deals yeah. and things that robots yeah. really wouldn't like bargaining is not something that, you know, robots tend well, yeah, to do. He starts showing emotion. He starts actually yeah. like getting angry with them. He says like, I'll enjoy watching you die. Mr. Anderson, yes. like the other two are so passive emotionally. Yeah. So they're just doing what, what the collective makes, says to do. That's right. He's the one who's yeah. taking charge and, and individualizing from the matrix. Yes. Yeah, yeah, in the same way that the anomaly uh, makes the one, it makes a. They go into that later that it's the polar opposite yeah. or whatever. There's a. And all he equal. wants to do is, all he wants to do is destroy the entire human race so that this matrix doesn't need to exist anymore, so yeah, that he, he can go it. and live abroad and you know learn all the things he wanted to learn in his life. Like I love that for him, but also that's a crazy thing for like I guess that's what all villains want. That's right. But they humanize it so much, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. it's you forget sometimes and then you're like, Oh wait, no, you're a program, but you're not a program. You're sentient. So I just, everything he did with that role and the, and just the gradual changes are Uh, are genius. Carrie Ann Moss is another one whose performance is so integral to this movie. Making sense. (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. And uh, let's not talk about like that, that sexual tension between her and Keanu. Like they did it so from the beginning. Yeah. And I absolutely love it. And it just it slowly goes and you can just see it building. And I love it. It's just, ugh. yeah, those two, oh, and, their and chemistry. I'm, it's absolutely unreal. Yeah, it's incredible. And they the 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 uh, action sequences that she has to do, like she she those like like kicks that she has to do for where mm-hmm. she like kicks behind her head and stuff in like, like all the bondage leather. Work. Oh, my God. How uncomfortable <laughs> must that have been wearing heels? Like jumping yes. up and down and landing from like huge yeah. heights in those heels. I was like, oh my God, that must be so uncomfortable. I know. But she looked awesome. Oh, she, every scene she's in, she's so uh, flawless. Cool. Yeah. And you get those close ups of her face and like, how are you so beautiful? Yeah. Uh, and just those piercing eyes and everything she does is just so concentrated and into what she's doing. And, and I, so small. Uh, like she, yes. be, she, because she's doing almost nothing in each scene, mm-hmm. anytime a little bit of su- uh, emotion mm-hmm. happens, it reads, she doesn't have to do much. It's a real yeah. like delicate touch that she, she has uh, uh, feeding you it's, what makes Trinity tick while playing somebody who's supposed to have her guard up, like her her, yeah. her walls present. Yeah, because she's con- conflicted with you know the idea that she's falling in love with Neo, but also being t- not sure if he is the one. So not sure if who she's falling in love with is you know if the Oracle's right, if they're wrong. Like you know, it's it's one of those things. She's so sure that she loves him, so she's yeah. therefore sure that he's the one because of what the Oracle's told her. So it's. Right. And just seeing her inner conflict throughout the entire movie, she's constantly like fighting herself and fighting her emotions and trying not to get attached and, you know, watching him while he sleeps to <laughs> see if she, I don't know, she gets really close to him when he's sleeping and, and yeah. just, it's very weird, but it's, it's great too, because she's clearly like, you know, doing that kind of examination that you do with someone that you're, you're in love with, just studying their face. So it's, it's so natural. Yeah. So what uh, I, I was looking up where inspiration for the script uh, originally came from for mm-hmm. uh, uh, both the Wachowskis and they talk about Plato's allegory of the cave. 
Um, okay. Which is a concept devised uh, by Plato to ruminate on the nature of belief versus knowledge. So mm. the allegory is like uh, prisoners are chained together in a cave. Behind them is a fire. And between the fire and the prisoners are people carrying puppets or other objects. They cast okay. a shadow on the other side of the wall. And the prisoners watch the shadow, believing the shadows are the things that are real. Oh. So Plato posits that one prisoner could become free. He finally sees the fire and realizes the shadows are fake and this prisoner could escape from the cave and discover there is a whole new world outside that they were previously unaware of but the prisoner would believe the outside world is and they would believe that the world is is real outside but mm-hmm. they would try to return and free the other prisoners but upon his return he's blinded because his eyes are not accustomed to actual sunlight oh. because they've been looking at fire the whole time so mm-hmm. that's the idea of like the 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 resistance would be um these you know like they're they're obviously organized but they're all wearing rags they're all eating porridge like mm-hmm. they they have these small ships for everyone to be in like they're uh, really fighting yeah. against uh, something insurmountable Yes. And and that whole um, the vision thing is really interesting just because like it's that whole like you haven't been using your eyes and they even make that comment in the movie. That's right. Neo's like, why do my eyes hurt? And Morris is like, because you've never used them before. And I'm just like, ah, it's literal and metaphorical. And that actually like now that you're telling me about that allegory, I'm like, well, that makes sense how they like how they came to that sort of that sort of trope. It's really that's actually really cool. Yeah. God, it's a good movie. It it won all four categories for which it was nominated at the Oscars. Yeah. Uh, and apparently, historically, that's the biggest clean sweep for any movie not nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they killed. And it's funny because if they, you know, it's it's crazy to think that back then in 1999, if they were out prior to that movie, like, would it have had the success that it had? Because, yeah. you know, two you know, adult white males making a movie about, you know, fighting and guns and computers Uh and games and stuff is going to be received differently than two trans women. So it's especially in 1999. So we always have to wonder, like, you know, does that privilege play an effect in the, in all of the awards you win or was it just an amazing movie through and through? And I think after 20 years watching it again, it's, it's an amazing, amazing movie through and through, even knowing everything um, even knowing what the studio shut down because there was supposed to be a trans character in this movie. Yeah, Switch, and, right? Yeah, Switch, yes. So they yeah. were supposed to present male in the real world and present female in the uh, Matrix world. Oh, and the studio such a said cool message. Yeah. Yeah, and Warner was like, people aren't going to understand this. They're not going to get this. This They don't have the vernacular for this. They're not going to, it's not going to resonate with enough people. So, but I do love that they still kind of kept it there because you notice if when uh, Switch goes into the Matrix, they're a bit more feminine. The clothes are a little bit, you know, more cut for a uh-huh. woman and they have a little bit of red on their lip. But then uh-huh. you go into the actual reality, real world. They're pretty much yeah. wearing a binder. Um, they're wearing sure. like a binder around their chest. They're wearing very androgynous. Like they're very just like plain face. Like there's no, it's just so androgynous. No, like yeah. there's no femininity or masculinity, but they're, they're just there and they exist. And you're like, you could have gone either way. Yeah. Um, and I just, I love that they kept that and they still shoehorn that in, in their own way because they originally yeah. wanted, um, a female actor for in and then a male actor for and a male out. actor. So yeah, which would have been awesome. Yeah. Would have been fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you were talking but, too about the the opportunities that uh, 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 would would 
a trans woman director be able to mm-hmm. get the funding to be able to do a movie like this and from, i'm trying from to warner think of, yeah and of course <laughs> i'm trying to think of of any trans woman directors other than the wikowskis who have done the, tentpole movies and no name I is coming to mind no they're they i think they're the only two that have actually yeah. um managed to succeed and i mean some could leverage that they succeeded with you know white male privilege at the beginning but they've gone on to make other movies and continue yeah. to be successful so that's right yeah and well honestly, and i read an article to... sorry you I, I read an article that came out right after the last matrix where um i think it was lana lana started dressing more feminine and was actually like they, there was rumors that she was getting uh gender reaffirm reaffirming surgery and things like that and mm. um it the article was so rough and that's from like early 2000s and it was just the things people said things that suits said at the studio it's just it was such a eye open to like you know i i fight transphobia in the cannabis industry but seeing it so prevalent in hollywood i mean obviously i knew it was there but like hearing like you know, a guy from the studio being like, oh, that's why Lana or well, they called them Larry and they misgendered them. But um, they're like, that's why Lana was paying so much attention to wardrobe. They were getting tips on how to dress like a woman and stuff like that. Like it was Aww. just the the things people were saying about them back then is like utterly disgusting. So I'm really glad that like they've managed to keep um, a career and actually be successful. And they're still going and they're still making movies and they're still yeah. writing like people the people that matter or the people that care and don't care that they are transgender are still supporting them. And I, I think that's, that's right. great. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, they made enough money off matrix to fund their own stuff for a lifetime. Yes. I'm sure. <laughs> so they can make as you know, many that's... cloud atlases as they want. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's, that's the truth. That's the secret there. Yeah. I mean, they, they, now they've been able, they don't need to rely on anyone and the bigots sure. and the, you know, transphobes in the industry are not going to be able to stop them because they have enough money to fund whatever they want. And I think that's the, the secret here. Yeah. <laughs> Make enough money for yourself to fund your own products and your that's projects. Right. So, yeah. Ownership over your own art. Exactly. Autonomy. Yes. That's the true key to Hollywood. Well, so. and speaking of costumes, we can't we can't talk about the Matrix without talking about Kim Barrett and the costumes that she designed. for. <sighs> My goodness. Movie. This like it's. Futuristic, dominatrix, like sex club, like, oh, it's so neat, like cyberpunk, but not cyberpunk. Like, it's it's uh, absolutely incredible. And like to have things like, okay, so Trinity's like covered head to toe in black leather, but then she needs Mm -hmm. to be able to like jump up and do the splits and kick people. That's a really difficult ask of your costume designer. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, like I could tell her shirt wasn't technically leather, but they picked a good stretchy fabric that looked leather. Yeah, that would really well. The lights. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had to hug her body like a tight leather shirt would, but I could tell it had stretch to it. And I don't know what they used, but they they did a fantastic job of just like giving them something that they could move in, but also that looked kind of restricting in its own way. Mm-hmm. Like Neo at, for most of the movies wearing like knee pads with these cool, like shin guards and buckles. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you don't get that all the time, but it's so, ah, oh, it's, it's the intricacies are, are really beautiful. 
Yeah. Apparently they had to hand sew Neo's coat in that the scene for the bullet time because oh they they bought all these coats and were like, okay, how about this one? He looks great in that one. But then they got him in front of the, the fans to try to mm. get the look of the whipping, the wind whipping through the, the thing. And they couldn't get it to move. They were all <laughs> too heavy. So they had to get this really lightweight material and then hand oh. sew a fucking huge coat for him so that it would be light enough that the wind would be able to pick it up that's dedication that really is and it, that it, is worked. Dedication. it looked it looked great in the um the lobby scene with all the guns and the oh, like the yeah. concrete flying everywhere and him running like it it really Carpy did a good job of just like shit yeah it had so much fluidity it felt almost animated which i think was yeah. obviously what they were going for but it just like the costume was it's just so well constructed yeah, and Morpheus too. That like that green tie and purple slacks number that he has, and that I yeah. just oh man, his coat and the yeah. sunglasses. Apparently, all these sunglasses companies had to bid on who would yeah. get to design all of the characters' sunglasses. I think it was the and same with the phone too. Yeah, I think yeah, Motorola yeah. ended up winning that one, and they got their their bid on the phone design. Well, and I'll tell you what, it's, it sticks in my head to this day about the way that that phone that he gets from FedEx opens in his hand automatically. Yeah. I'm like, we all I, wanted that phone. Oh, I wanted that phone so bad. I wanted those sunglasses that Morpheus wore that didn't seem to obey any of the, the uh, yeah. gravitational laws. Like, yeah. how they, like, is it clicked in like face? magnet? They like oh, magnetized to his face. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just then, so cool. I also like we have to give credit to uh, the woman that played the Oracle because she's definitely my favorite <gasps> oh, of the Oracles. God, she's so oh, just this like old granny smoking a cigarette. Like, oh, she's everything I wanted her the Oracle to be. And <laughs> yeah, I, just, I love it. Have a cookie. That's so good. Yes. <laughs> Here, have a cookie. <laughs> so I do also want to say uh, in 2012, this was one of the films that was selected by the U.S. Library of Congress for preservation in the National Film Archive. Oh. And I think that that's a really yeah, like uh, they every every year there's more and more movies that they're trying to do that, too, so that it can preserve because film degrades. Yeah. They want to yes. be able to hold on to uh, uh, the best version of these. And I really. Uh, I obviously this movie should be it from fashion yeah. to the technical aspects to the, 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 uh, like the martial arts to the, the look that they affected so many trends in how people mm -hmm. make movies from yeah. that moment on. Like you couldn't do something that wasn't influenced by the matrix in some way. It's true. And they picked a Canadian, I'm pretty sure Toronto based effects company like just oh, like awesome. their sourcing was incredible and they yeah they did they started trends not only in how movies should be made but in fashion mm. and in technology yeah. and yeah. things were created after this movie that were made because of the movie like that's yeah. crazy i think at one point you could buy that phone or there was like maybe a prop made yeah. about it but um yeah people like the early 2000s if you look at the style like a lot of it was pulled from the matrix anytime people wanted that crazy rave look i mean i'm sure they got their inspiration from other places too but they definitely like on a blockbuster level yeah, set trends absolutely all right well that that's the end of our second segment or we're coming up to the end of our Ooh. second segment so that means it's time for another game dre are you ready oh yeah sure let's do it all right so this is a rapid fire round that is called okay. reefer madness reefer madness Ooh, or I don't 
Blaze of Glory. I don't actually know which. Blaze of Glory. We'll, we'll get a sting and it'll be great. They both sound um, great, so... so. Awesome. Okay. Well, here we go. These are just opinion-based questions, so there's no okay. right or wrong answers. It's just whatever comes to your mind. Okay. So, number one, are you a sativa diva, an Indicana Jones, or hybrid or dibrid? Love those names. Uh, I'm a sativa diva, but I'm learning to be an Indicana uh, Indicana Jones, um, <laughs> but definitely a sativa diva at heart because of the terpene profile. Sure, sure, sure. Um, your favorite movie featuring cannabis. Ooh, uh, oh, that's uh, Dazed and Confused. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think Dazed and Confused is up there for sure. Um, yeah, I don't like a lot of the new movies, so definitely that one. Yeah. Fictional or real person you'd most want to smoke with? <gasps> um, oh my goodness, that's a tough one. Fictional or real person? Uh, who do I want to smoke with? Uh, oh, that's a really tough. I can't do this rapid fire. This is, this is that's all. That's a deep philosophical question. Um, who do I want to smoke weed with? Um, probably. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say the Wachowski sisters. Let's do it. I want to oh, smoke amazing. weed with with uh, Lily Orlano. I love that. Uh, you better zoom me into that. That that. Yes. <laughs> Are a fictional or real place you'd most want to smoke? Ooh. Um, oh, my goodness. Now you made me think about fictional places I want to smoke at. Um, I want to go to... Actually, no, let's say I, I want to go to Scotland or New Zealand. I'm going to do New Zealand. I want to go to the mountains in New Zealand and smoke some weed and just stare out at the landscapes. I love that. I love that so much. Yes, that's the one. Because, <laughs> right. you know, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. Get exactly. Gandalf to blow all those. Blow oh, that's who I want to smoke with. I want to smoke with Gandalf. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, movie that would be improved if only the characters were smoking cannabis. Ooh, um, everyone would have been so much better in. Um, actually, I want to see. I wanna know it's I know it's a perfect movie, but singing in the rain, everyone's stoned. I wanna see what that looks like. <laughs> Actually, that's kind of like high society. High society, yeah. I think, instead of the drunk scene. Yeah, I want uh, Bing weed. and Sinatra to sing stoned while they're smoking. That's <laughs> I a good love one. that idea. All right, and, and the movie's called this... High Society. Come on, it's just asking exactly. for it. Exactly. Can you make the sound of your favorite consumption method? Uh, that was a joint. Is that? <laughs> that was a joint. That was a good one. That was, that was a joint. Yeah. All right. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we are going to be asking uh, uh, if we puff or pass on the Matrix with Drea Ooh. Smith, Meacham, and Daniel Williston on Let's Bogart. Don't go anywhere. Now it's time for a little segment called what but what does my mom think no what is it called what does my mom think where i ask my mom joan williston what she thinks about all this shit hi mom hi daniel (laughs) how are you today i'm doing great how are you doing i'm doing i'm doing excellent i'm doing excellent i'm doing even better now that i get to talk to you ah yes this is fun (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh for this episode we watched the movie the matrix the matrix now i i don't think you've ever seen it no 
No, but uh, it was released uh, in the year 1998, uh, which was the same year that they released uh, Tim Allen's uh, starring vehicle, Jungle to Jungle, which is a family movie about uh, 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 Tim Allen finding out he has a kid. Okay. All right. So this is a little game that we like to call, was it The Matrix or was it Jungle to Jungle? (laughs) <laughs> okay. So these are all from the parents' guide for either one of those films. You're going to have to decide which one goes where. You okay. ready? Yep. Yeah. All right. A woman is sleeping in a bed and a boy peeks under her covers. We don't see what he sees, but he grins and says, nice poochie poochie. Is that The Matrix or Jungle to Jungle? The Matrix. It is not. It is Jungle to Jungle, oh, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> but that's okay. We have a few more for you to, to, to come back on this one. So a man says crap after accidentally shooting a lady in the head with a sleeping dart. Jungle to jungle. That is jungle to jungle. That's right. One and one. One man tells another that he can hook him up with a woman in a red dress. She walks by with her cleavage showing in a tight, low-cut dress. Is that the Matrix or jungle to jungle? The Matrix? Yeah, it is the Matrix. (laughs) How about Cypher and Agent Smith have wine at dinner? Cypher also smokes a cigar. Is that Matrix or Jungle to Jungle? I don't know who's in either one of them other than Tim Allen, so I wouldn't know. Um, uh, The Matrix? Uh, Yeah, it is The Matrix. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So you've already won the round, but just for fun. How about an angry Russian thug tries to sign a business proposition with Michael, the main character? He's quite intimidating and even attempts to kill Michael's business partner at one point. Is that Matrix or Jungle? It is not the Matrix. It is Jungle to Jungle. But you got three right anyways, so you win. (laughs) Great. (laughs) You know what you win this time? Uh, What? Uh, You win uh, uh, Peace on Earth for all time. Oh, that's a good gift. Yeah, save it for a rainy day. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, pull it out when you think uh, you need it. All right, so my guest uh, uh, today watching The Matrix with me was uh, a key lead at Superette, where I work. So she's like my boss. Oh, okay. Uh, and her name is Andrea Smith-Meacham. So if Andrea Smith-Meacham, who's really fun and inventive and creative, and uh, she's into music, and she she's awesome. She's great to talk to. Um, she comes over, uh, and you decide we're going to go grocery shopping. And so she comes grocery shopping with you and me, and we're picking out stuff for tonight, and we're saying we're going to watch a movie. It's going to be so much fun. But in the middle of the grocery store, she finds a bong, and then she puts uh, uh, a little bit of weed that she had in her pocket in the bong and starts smoking it in the middle of the grocery store. What do you say to her? Oh, and she's with me and you. Yes. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> okay. Well, she's an adult. Uh-huh. She can make her own choices. I would <laughs> just keep on walking and getting the rest of the groceries and if she meets me at the exit great and if she finds somewhere else to go that's more interesting than you and me i can't believe that but anyway (laughs) would you uh would you maybe tisk under your breath though as you were walking away and and getting more of the groceries 
Uh, no, because that's not for me to judge what another adult chooses to do unless they're endangering someone uh, or causing damage. I might say something, but um, that she's an adult. She can do what she wants. That's true. What if she mm-hmm. tried to light me on fire? Oh, yeah, then I'd, uh, I'd interfere. You step what in? the oh, hell are you doing? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Listen to the language that comes out of you and you need to protect your boy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> boy, don't let anyone step in between you and me, Daniel. <laughs> oh, bully mom's going to come right after you. <laughs> well, can you uh, thank my listeners for uh, tuning in tonight? Thanks for joining us tonight. Hope to see you again next podcast. Yeah, I hope so too. (laughs) Thanks for being on the show, Bob. You're welcome. All right, so here we are, and it's Puffer Pass time. What do you think? Are you going to puff on this movie, or are you going to pass on it? Puffer Pass! I'm going to puff. I'm going to roll it up into a joint. I'm going to also put a little bit in a bong. I'm going to puff it and huff it. And blow some houses down for sure. <laughs> I love that. I love that so. Much. Love this movie. Yeah, I do too. How do you? How do you feel about the sequels? Uh, so, uh, unpopular opinion, but I actually love uh, the second one. Uh, Reloaded. The second one. Yeah, yeah. Reloaded for me. Okay, so the first one for me is like story driven beauty. Yeah. The second one for me is a uh, great mix of story and really uh, innovative action scenes. Yes. And then the third one went too hard on the story and very weird in the effects world. So it, it kind of yeah. hit, dropped the ball and a lot like that fight scene at the end of revelations is not good. So like, and you're supposed to get better. Ugh. You're supposed to get better. And I think it's cause they lost their effects company. I think that's probably what happened, but oh, that's brutal. Um, reloaded for me because you have like characters like the twins and they brought in these really cool characters and you have the highway scene and you have the key master and there's just like, they, they started like the lore kind of started to come out and they started to play around with that. And their choreography was amazing. And they had all these yeah. really, they kind of like polished up some of their effects that they were trying out in the first one. And I think yeah. that's why I like the second one is just it for me. It's a perfect mix of story and action. Mm. Yeah, I loved the second one when it came out. I was so excited. I saw it like four or five times in the theater. Mm-hmm. I was just I couldn't get enough when Revelations yeah. was coming out. It came out six months later because they shot them right mm-hmm. back to back. Yeah. And I bought for opening night, I bought uh, two tickets, one to the seven o'clock show, one to the nine o'clock show, because I was like, I want to see it and then I'll watch it again just to like capture what I what I love about it. And I watched the third movie the first time and I came out and I was like, can I get a refund on this? I I don't need to see it again tonight. No, uh, it was just like they threw so much action in. And then the, that's when the religious allegories really started, like being a little bit in your face. Like, uh, I just, yeah, it was having just having to sacrifice himself. I just thought that the second one asked so many interesting questions. Yes. But then the third movie had to provide satisfying answers to those questions. And they did <sighs> not at all. They also like the the rise of the antagonist protagonist battle. It's just like it's very yeah. cliche and very unnecessary. Yeah. And, and what there we was all know is the about burly the matrix brawl. that was cliche. The first no. one, it was uh, groundbreaking. Yeah, it was kind of just pulling off of its own uh, off its own steam, and it just it didn't it just didn't work for me. I just 
there's the rain and it's just all I think their aspirations maybe were too high for what they thought they could achieve. Yeah. I don't know. They just I feel like they were filming and there's like, oh, we'll fix it in post. Oh, we'll fix it in post. Yeah. It's OK. We'll yeah. fix it in post because we have a deadline. <laughs> and I think they probably rushed it because they wanted to get it out six months after reloaded. Yeah. Well, they didn't want people waiting a that- year that first movie they had five years to work on because they were constantly getting rejected by all of these studios to be able to do it so if you have that long to work on and you've storyboarded the entire movie you really have thought through every moment of your story and the economy of the storytelling is so tight and then suddenly in Reloaded they ask all these huge uh, world building questions that (laughs) and philosophical ideas and then the third movie just sort of forgot all about that and was just like yeah. and then on the third day he died i'm like what <laughs> he's jesus so this is lucifer and this yeah. is the battle um and, and i think also like uh compounding all that production time and working your crew to the bone yeah. and you know asking like you know you're asking them to do two movies not only back to back but a movie that's supposed to get more intense the second time so you not mm. only like are you everyone's half the energy by the next production and but they need yeah. double the output so it's right. that's why a lot of it went to cgi because they're like mm, well we can we don't have time we have to you know we can't do this effect or that effect let's just figure it out in cg and i think that's why it showed a lot more because the first yeah. one there's cg but like it's little hints on like you know morpheus's glasses which is a very takes up a very small section of the screen so you don't really notice it unless you were well, like and the- staring at it the, you know yeah yeah the and the thing that the the shots that we remember are not the mm. cg shots the ones that are so no. cool like that bullet wraparound uh uh thing, yeah is a practical in-camera mm-hmm. effect yeah it's it's incredible i mean for me like the parts where you know you have um Morpheus is like hands and the glasses. Like, I yeah. really love that approach. And like the doorknob going to the Oracle yeah. and having the doorknob and showing everything like that's something like as a filmmaker, a young filmmaker, you dream of being able to do those shots and you want to yeah. be able to do them practical. But, you know, you will never be able to. Right. So seeing something that looks so practical, but it's it's such a subtle detail. Yeah. It, they just use subtleties so well in their CG. And then mm. the third one came and they're just like, Ugh, <laughs> throw it all. Give it give them everything. That's why the second one was so good, because the highway scene is mostly practical. Yeah, it's they flipped cars, I think, for hours trying to get the right flips and the right looks and the right shots for and the motorcycles. And they're all actual people on on car like driving. And uh, I mean, the only CGI you had was some of the fight scenes and the twins doing their cool disappearing thing. And that was such a cool little gimmick for them. Like, oh, it was. Yeah. It was just sprinkled on there. It was it was peppered into the movie as opposed to being like slapped in the face. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, do you think uh, is Rotterdam a good pairing for this movie? I think so. If you want to chill your body but have your mind blown by an ins- insane movie, I think Rotterdam puts you in a place to receive the information that the matrix is going to give you mm-hmm. i think anything more uplifting would probably cause you give you a little bit of that like heart racy anxiety mm-hmm. um so i think rotterdam's chill vibes and like subtle and just like that calming effect it gives you is perfect for a movie that's going to kind of resonate in a different direction to kind of create that perfect yin and yang if you will i love that 
Uh, so mm. if somebody has smoked uh, some Rotterdam and they've sat down and they've watched The Matrix and uh, the night's over and it's 8.30, but they're still a little toasty and they want to watch another movie and start a double feature, what do you think mm-hmm. would be a good movie to watch with The Matrix? Ooh, um, sticking to the same vein. I mean, V for Vendetta, if you want to stick to that political sure. route, too. It's a different world, but it still has that uprising feeling. I think those are two. I mean, I'm just kind of going off of Wachowski. I'm just going to give more love sure, to Wachowski's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else feels like the Matrix, though? I would just say go watch Reloaded after and then stop at Reloaded. And then, and yeah, just imagine, never watch anything oh, ever again. I wish they had made the third movie, but oh, they never did. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, there's no conclusion to this. I'm sure it's great, though. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of movies did Matrix. Um I personally love the Animatrix uh, short movies that they did, too. Yeah, yeah. I I think those were kind of overlooked as their own thing. Um, I really like the game Enter the Matrix, where you played as um, Mm -hmm. Niobe uh, uh, and her buddy there. Oh, fuck. I can't remember the other character's name. But it was Um, a really good, fun game. Yeah, and honestly, like, I heard, I think, almost 10 different studios, like, game developers bid for those. Uh, those games and yeah and who ended up with doing it i think did a great job i mean yeah i i don't really like movie-based video games but if you're gonna do anything like they had the gimmicks to turn it into a great game and the movie honestly reads like a video game yeah yeah, so yeah i definitely felt like the different levels and different achievements and like even like getting all the equipment like feeling like kind of like your start lobby where you're like picking all your equipment for your, the next level and <laughs> yeah, building yeah, yeah. your character. Totally. I think that's all like very true. And like the combat training, that was all just like a big tutorial for him to go in and definitely and start doing things. So I think it should have translated better into a game, but obviously yeah, sure. when you have a franchise, it, it never goes the way you want it to. Well, that's, that's awesome. I'm going to suggest mm. that if somebody wanted to double feature this movie to watch uh, uh, some more of the work uh, and earlier work of uh, Wu Ping Yang, who, who, yeah. Yun, who did the uh, uh, stunt coordinating. Um, he did a movie called Drunken Master with Jackie Chan. Yes, where, I love that movie. Oh, oh. it's awesome. I, I love that movie so much. It's so funny. And the choreography is so amazing. And that style fighting is honestly one of my favorites. Oh. Oh, uh, and Jackie Chan mastered it. And I did not realize that was the same stunt coordinator or um, yeah. like choreographer. Like that's yeah. uh, that makes sense. I mean, even when they're like downloading information to Neo, they do a drunken boxing kind of that's like, right. Uh, they, they kind of squeeze it in there as like maybe it's an homage or something. It but, probably. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's that's great. Yeah, that's no, I would definitely suggest watching Drunken Master. That's a fantastic one. <laughs> All right. Well, Drea, thanks so much for coming on the show today. That's uh, yeah. uh, that's the whole thing. Where can uh, people uh, find you and follow you online? Uh, I only have really one source of social media, and that's on Instagram. It's at Flowers for Andrea. Uh, you can find me there, Andrea Flowers, and where I talk all things cannabis and all things inclusion and sometimes post uh, really good selfies of myself when the lighting <laughs> yeah, is good. So. Uh, yeah, so find me there and follow my journey if you want. And maybe one day I'll actually listen to Daniel and start my own podcast. I can't wait. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I, I think I have a name for it. I want to call it the itinerary. Oh, that's, that's fucking a, great. I love I, that name. You heard it here first, everybody. But that's yeah, right. I think that's copyright. A, 
Yes, that's I'm putting it out. This is now it's now uh, art in space. So <laughs> that's I right. It, so yeah. itinerary. Oh, that's so good. I can't wait. That's my Amazing. that's my idea right now. It's it's incredible. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. I had so much yeah. fun watching the Matrix with you. This is so much cool. Yeah, me too. Uh, so yeah, I, I love this. Thank you so much for having me on here. I'm really excited. I hope this sounded okay, but uh, I, I was did. just really excited to chat about weed and good movies. Yeah, that's all I want to do, which is what <laughs> this podcast is all about. Love it. All right, buds, that's the episode. Oh, it was so good getting to talk with Drea. She's so fantastic. Um, I, I loved getting to hear about this movie that I've loved for such a long time, but from a completely different lens. Um, looking at it as a trans allegory, that's just so unbelievable that the, that the uh, uh, Wachowskis were able to put that into a really big tentpole blockbuster at a time where the conversation was not focused on that. So a, a real counterculture move by them. And fantastic way to go. Um, you can follow Drea at uh, uh, Andrea for Flowers. No, no, that's not right at all. You can follow Drea at Flowers for Andrea at, uh, at Flowers for Andrea on Instagram. Uh, she's got some really cool things that she's cooking up. Uh, she's she's uh, uh, fantastic. So fo- give her a follow uh, because uh, your life will be better for it. You can't follow my mom anywhere because she is not online, but you can follow my good buddy JJ Thompson who did the music for the theme song and all of the stings uh, at JJ and his dog on Instagram. You can follow him there and uh, 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 check out all the cool music stuff that he's doing. Um, you can follow the podcast at Let's Bogart on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, throw us some likes or give us a comment or two. Tell us what you're what you're hoping we do. Give us a give us an idea for a strain pairing or a person to have on or uh, a movie that you want us to take a look at. Maybe we will in a future episode. Um, if you are not on social media, you can also go to www.danielwilliston.com/slash Let's dash bogart that's where you can find the podcast uh if you have anything you want to say there's a a message thing there so uh engage with us and uh let us know what you think of the podcast so far also if you really want to help out uh like uh comment subscribe um uh, what is the other one subscribe and rate and review that's what it is if you give us a review even if you hate the podcast even if you hate it uh, it really helps us get the word out to people who might dislike it as much as you, and then they won't listen to it. <laughs> no, it helps us get to the people who might like the, the program. So I'm really hoping to, to spread my my reach to as many people as possible uh, uh, who might want to tune in and see this. So uh, the way that you can help us do that is, yeah, subscribe, uh, take a listen to the episodes, and give us a, give us a rating and review. That really helps us on, on any of the podcatchers that you're using. Thanks so much for tuning in today, buds. It was great getting to talk to you about The Matrix and Rotterdam. Uh, I'll see you next week on Thursday when we bogart once more. This movie not only played a big influence in my life growing up, it 
I gave me feelings that I didn't realize were what I was feeling at the same time. Like we didn't have a vernacular for trans. So this movie kind of opened your eyes, but didn't really give it to you all. But it kind of left you with some lingering feeling of wanting more and wanting to um, change your life in some way or another. 